Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. It's official. Build Your Brand podcast is now available. Listen and subscribe at entrearchitect.com slash BYB. Build Your Brand is our first new show from our brand new podcast network, Gable Media. It's a story-based podcast focused on branding, culture, and the art of storytelling for small firm architects. The host, architect marketing expert Jeff Eccles, will tell the story, the fascinating stories behind the best brands in the world, analyzing their journey to the top, and then repackaging those lessons learned as effective strategies for you, the small firm architect, on your way to becoming the best. Build Your Brand Podcast. Listen and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or visit entrearchitect.com slash BYB. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 314, Exit Planning for Small Firm Architects, with Michael Ringel. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. And our friends at RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more for free at RCAT.com. Michael Ringel, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for having me. Looking it, forward to our conversation today. It's great to have you here. We're going to be uh, talking about a very important subject here that I think many architects know that they should be focusing on. Some may have, may, maybe, maybe somebody listening out there may have started actually doing some planning. But sure. we're going to talk about exit planning. What do you do at the end? whether that end is happening, you know, in the next week or so, which is then you're in crisis mode or, you know, a couple of years from now or inevitably, you know, somewhere along the line, Michael likes to say that, you know, uh, uh, leaving your business is inevitable. <laughs> yes, it is someday. <laughs> that eventually you're going to leave your business. So you should be planning on it. So let me introduce uh, Michael here. Michael Ringel's mission is to help business owners like us and their families make prudent financial decisions to avoid financial failure. Michael coaches his clients on the academics of investing, 
based upon Nobel Prize economists' investment strategies and theories. He's an expert on exit planning. In fact, he recently just presented uh, an expert training sessions inside the membership uh, on exit planning. So if you're a member, go over there and grab that video and go watch it. If you, if you didn't watch it live, we do that every month live, but the recordings are in your membership. If you're not a member, entrearchitect.com slash join, you can go grab that training session. Uh, during the exit planning process, Michael helps his business owners' uh, clients discover their exit objectives. These objectives include identifying how much money they need to receive from the sale of their business in order to maintain their lifestyle during retirement, if that's something you're planning on doing. <laughs> They'll identify the most effective way to transfer your business and to whom you wish to transfer that business. Three pretty important questions. So, Michael, let's talk about exit planning for small firm architects uh, in this episode. But before we do that, we want to know more about you. Great we want to know your origin story. Dive as deep as you want to go. Uh, talk about when you discovered your passion for what you do today and share your story uh, to where you find yourself today. Great. Thanks, Mark. Um, First off, I think I'm like most people who are listening to this. Um, uh, my entrepreneurial journey started when I was a little kid. I had a paper route, penny saver route. And in 1984, uh, the government broke up Ma Bell. And we were allowed, that. it was a long time ago, it was a, broke up a huge monopoly. I was 17 years old at the time, and I saw it as an opportunity to be able to go out and build a business. And I went to the local hardware store. I bought a 18-inch uh, drill bit. I had a drill bit, moped, and a supplier. And I advertised to put um, extensions, put phones in rooms in people's homes that didn't have <laughs> them. That's great. Charge 25 to $30 as opposed to the 100 or $150 AT&T charged. And I made a lot of money at age 17 just installing phones. Love it. I love it. And it was it was a passion of mine. I started helping a lot of people. And from there, went to uh, school. Uh, it was University of Albany. Either was going to be an accountant or a uh, an actuary. It was really great with numbers. And I started my career at Deloitte & Touche and went to a few other companies. And what I realized is my passion was not going to be fulfilled in those companies. Because like most of the people on this podcast, I was an entrepreneur at heart. And working for a big company didn't really make a difference in the world. So I decided to go back to school, went to NYU and got my master's. And to the chagrin of my parents, I didn't go back to corporate America. Hmm. I actually wound up starting a company, uh, was a partner in a company very similar to what you're doing, is we built entrepreneurial support groups for business owners. Because like you've recognized, the biggest issue that most entrepreneurs face is the issue of isolation. Right. They have nobody to talk to about the different issues and challenges in their business. They may have had the entrepreneurial seizure uh, that Michael Gerber talks about in his book, The E-Myth. Yes. And, you know, decide that one day they're going to open up a shingle and start helping a lot of people. So we built these communities to bring people together to mastermind to learn, to share ideas. And what's fascinating, it really wasn't about getting new business. It really was about all the other issues that you face in running and operating a company. That's kind of what attracted me to you know, your mission and what you're doing, which is really helping all of these small entrepreneurs who are really trying to pursue their American dream. Right. Because if, right? if you think about it, what we're trying to do going on our own is not only have a mission to help people, but also to create cash flow, cash flow for our families, cash flow as we start a business. And what we're going to talk about a little, little bit later today is producing cash flow when you decide to leave your business. So, you know, we did that for about eight or nine years. We franchised it to a few markets had a radio show called Let's Talk Business. That's and where you get it. That's where you get the voice and the- That's it. <laughs> you're good at this. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you. So we got out there and we were really making a difference in people's lives. And like most shoe cobblers who really have worn shoes, 
we gave people a lot of advice of what they should do in their business. And then we started having some partnership problems. Some greed got in the way. Mm -hmm. Some partners wanted to take the business in one direction. We were not on the same page when it came to vision and we broke up. And what was fascinating was we had a buy sell agreement that was never signed and executed. Mm. So I was you, able because to, you, you trusted one another. We did. Yeah, we did. We, we had a sophisticated uh, lawyer draw up these great papers and everything was going great. And that was the time to sign the papers. Yep. So if you're a business owner that has partners, when everything is great, that's when you actually execute those documents because nobody's going to want to sign an agreement when there's infighting. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to leave. The other partners were fighting over money and the name of the company. And I decided to go into the financial world so that it could really make a difference in people's lives on a more granular level. And working with entrepreneurs and business owners, what I discovered was that we have a passion for what we do every day, but someday we're going to leave our business. And we'll talk about the three different ways you could leave your business. And I've seen too many business, overs, business owners in my career not do the proper planning for whatever reason, and then it ends up a huge mess. And I'll share some of those stories with you uh, a little bit later in the in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, this is this is going to be interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to bring you on the podcast. The expert training session was fantastic. I it, I think it opened up the eyes of the people who were watching it. Uh, it it sort of brought a lot home to me, uh, and I think it's something that that so many architects you know don't either focus on or they focus they wait till the very end. And it's like, sure. you know, uh, maybe I think I want to move on. I want to sell the firm. What do I do now? You know, and, and you know, two years from now, right? It's right. not, it, and it, and it's something that becomes a very big priority at the end, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do with my firm? Um, but it's not when you should start thinking about that, right? That, right. that knowing from, from your training session that there's, you start planning for your exit the day you open the door, right? Or yeah. even before that. Right. And yeah, no, that's an excellent point that that's exactly right. Exit planning is business strategy. It is business planning. And there should be some thought given to exiting your business years before you actually do it. And we'll, we'll talk about the different ways and, and why that that makes sense. But you're absolutely right. That's when, you know, now's the best time. And what's fascinating is, you know, architects, you're in the service business very similar to businesses of a lawyer, a CPA, um, anybody who provides a service to somebody. How do you start planning the exit of your business now, not 40 years from now, when either you it's time to get out, you get sick, you can't work anymore, or there's no enterprise value in the business to transfer. So you're right, we should be start thinking about it today. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know if there's data out there on this, but I would say that the majority, the large majority of architects simply close the door. When they're done, they just, yeah. you know, shut off the lights, close the door, pull the shingle off the, uh, off, the right. off the signpost and walk away, you know, and they get nothing yeah. for it. Their families get nothing for it. Or even worse, they get sick or they die and their families have nothing. Right? And if that's the, yeah, that, that's true. And the same thing we know for accountants and lawyers, we, we believe, and, and financial advisors, we believe we're gonna work forever. We believe that we're going to wanna work forever because of the intellect, intellectual stimulation of the work that we do. Yeah, very much so in architecture. And, and, and if that's the case, and there's nothing wrong with that plan or strategy, then the exit planning should be, how do you move money from your business balance sheet to your personal balance sheet in a tax efficient manner over the next 30, 40 years, such that if and when you do decide to close the door, that you've saved enough money to be able to maintain the cash flow and for the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement. Right. So even if you do close the door, even if that is sure. your strategy, there's planning to do before you do that in order to, to live the life that you want to live. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you hit on a couple other things. There are 
you know, we really talk about in business, it's all about cash flow. You know, businesses are built to produce cash flow for your family so that you're able to live the lifestyle that you want to live while you have the business. When you retire, and let's say you transfer the business, you need to make sure that there's enough you know, um, uh, assets on your personal balance sheet to be able to maintain the lifestyle that you want to live. Yeah. So the, if you think about it, the most, the most precious financial resource that we all have is our ability to produce income. And if our ability to produce income is impeded in such a way that either we get sick and can't work, you mentioned disabled before, or you die, well, not only does your business automatically close, but so does your cash flow. Right. So right. you're right. If, if your goal is to just run the business and close it someday, it may not be on your own terms. So how do you protect your family if your income goes to zero? Right. Let's let's start at the beginning. Let's go big sure. picture first. Let's t explain what exit planning is and, and why right. we should be focused on it now. Yeah. So exit planning, as I mentioned, is business planning. It is taking a look at um, what's going on in our business lives and what our vision and mission is going to be. And you kind of mentioned it before. There are some universal questions that we need to ask ourselves when it comes to leaving our business. Now, look, we all know with 100 percent certainty that we are going to leave our business. Either we're going to leave it on our terms or we're going to leave it on somebody else's terms. And 17% of business owners have, they have a written plan. Most business owners, and I'm assuming you're correct, most, most architects don't have a plan. And so thinking about the universal questions are things that you spoke about before. Um, when do you want to leave your business? Um, 78 79% of business owners would like to leave their business in the next seven to 10 years. So how do you start planning for that now? Whom do you want to transfer the business to? If you have um, children who are going to be architects, well, that's a great business strategy. So how do you transition or transfer the business to them in such a way that you minimize taxes, that you maintain control of the business, and that you're able to get what you want out of the business from a monetary point of view. And the third thing to think about is how much do you need to transition or sell the business for? And most business owners don't know the value of their business. Right? They know the value of their IRA, their 401k, but they don't know the value of their business, especially if they're building enterprise value. So one of the things that we do in the work that we do is in a non-disruptive way, we help business owners uh, get a valuation for their business to give them some sense of what it's worth. So the three universal questions are, when do you wanna sell your business or transition it to whom you wanna transition the business and how much money do you need to be able to come into your personal financial world from your business to maintain your lifestyle? Okay. So, so when, to whom, and how much? Those Correct. are the three essential questions that you need to ask and answer. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I think that a lot of architects, I mean, there's, there are so many architects that don't even have a business plan. They absolutely don't have an exit plan. Um, right. Many of them have it in their heads. You know, this is what I plan on doing for my business, and this is how I plan mm -hmm. on getting out of here. Um, but it's re really important to write them down. So write these three questions down and actually answer those questions. And that's the beginning of the process of exit planning. Um, so, so Michael, let's, let's look at this as sort of a, a hypothetical. Let's say sure. um, somebody listening out there, she's 40 years old. Uh, she's been in business for 10 years. Okay. Um, and she's a residential architect. She focuses on small residential projects, additions and alterations. Sure. Um, she's got a, a, a two kids married. Um, they have a house with a mortgage. Mm -hmm. What should I be doing as a 40 year old architect who's been in business for 10 years? I haven't started planning at all. I'm listening right. to you and uh, thinking, oh, this is important. I need to focus on this. What do I do? Well, step number one is uh, you need to understand that most people's financial world 
it's like a, a junk drawer in the kitchen, right? Throughout our lives, we just acquire product. We've come across people who have said to us, you need to open a 401k plan. You need to buy some life insurance because you have a family. You need to get some disability insurance. You need to open a 529. And most people that I've seen and, and work with have all these different products all over the place, but there's no coordination. There's no strategy behind what they've done. They've just acquired stuff. So step number one is to organize your entire financial world and put it in one place so you could see everything. And there are financial tools to be able to do that. And then take a look at, from my perspective, is we focus on protection first. So when you talk about exit planning for businesses, when you even talk about exit planning for families, you know, which is retirement, right? The strategies are, what do you need to protect, right? What do you need to grow? And then eventually, what do you need to do to exit? So once you organize your financial world, I believe you need to protect it, right? There's some financial advisors out there that really go with, you know, the investment philosophy, rate of return, follow the markets. But what I discovered is that if you don't protect your greatest assets, which is your ability to produce income for your family, then rate of return when it comes to money is kind of irrelevant. So gather everything you have, organize it, and then look to protect it. Make sure that you, know, you have protection from lawsuit, not only for your business, but for your personal world, right? Make sure you have an umbrella policy. Your liability coverage is up to date. It's the most you can get. It's interesting. I called uh, a company a few years ago to get some uh, auto insurance, and they said, Mike, here's the minimum you need to have in your state, and here's the cost. And I said, no, 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 no. I want the maximum coverage. And the person was shocked. And they said to me, they said, you're going to pay more. And I said, absolutely. Because I know that God forbid something major happens. I want to shift the cost or the expense to the insurance companies. So I self-insure for the small things and transfer big risks to them. Making sure that you have the proper amount of disability income coverage. So if you can't work anymore and you get sick, income doesn't stop. And it's interesting because when people get into financial crisis, that's the first expense to go. And it's the most critical. I have clients who at a very early age with no family history, they got sick. They were professionals in Manhattan making a lot of money. And now at a very young age, cannot work. And because of the disability income coverage, they didn't have to sell the house. They didn't have to move. Life went on financially because they were covered. If they didn't have it, it would have been detrimental to their family. Then you need to make sure that you have wills and trusts set up. And then finally, making sure that you have life insurance. And life insurance should be the most possible death benefit available. And then you should talk about the different types and then where it should be positioned. So protection of cash flow in my world and the clients that we work with is first and foremost. And as a business owner who's producing the income for the business and for your family, protecting that is my, in my view, that's paramount. That's number one. Yeah, and I'm listening to you say this and I, and, and I know there are people listening right now saying, nope. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not protected, you know, and, and it started at the, at the, the head shaking was starting at the organization, you know, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, you bought this policy because somebody told you to, you, you set up an IRA, you know, because somebody told you to, and then you have a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, and then you got a 401k and then, you know, and through all, now I'm 40 years old and I have all these different bank accounts and different you know, financial statements coming through and none of them have any relation to any of the others. And then you right. get into protection and you go down the list of insurances that we should be looking at and, and being concerned about. And, sure. you know, I think a lot of us are probably not doing that either. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors, FreshBooks and 
our cat. 192 hours. In case you're wondering, 192 hours works out to two business days per month. Why the math? Well, if you're an architect and you're using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of admin time you can save every year. How? FreshBooks is so fast and easy to use that it changes the way you deal with your paperwork. FreshBooks is the simplest way to be more productive, more organized, and most importantly, will get you paid faster. You can create and send really professional looking invoices in under 30 seconds. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to those guessing games. If waiting for a client check in the mail is slowing down your cash flow, with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. Oh, and your clients will love paying by credit card straight from their invoice. FreshBooks helps you avoid having that awkward talk with your clients about past due payments. FreshBooks automatically sends late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic on the drafting board or on the computer. If you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is amazingly helpful super friendly and zero attitude. Plus a real live person usually answers the phone in three rings or less. To claim your month long unrestricted free trial, go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks and enter entrearchitect in the how did you hear about us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks. Have you been to arcat.com recently? It's the number one most used website for finding building product information. Their powerful search tool allows you to choose what kind of information you want, like CAD, BIM, specifications, and only get results with that data. RCAT is also constantly fine-tuning their search engine to make sure that you keep getting the information that you asked for. And of course, it's free. It requires no registration, no login, no credit card. If you need product building information and you haven't used RCAT recently, or maybe you've never tried RCAT, head over there right now to RCAT.com and try it out. You'll be glad you did. That's RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. RCAT.com. Build better content today. FreshBooks and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you the Entree Architect community. If somebody is there, shaking their mm -hmm. head right now and realizing, well, this insurance stuff is important, but what do I even do? How do I even start that? How does somebody find somebody like you? Uh, what should they be looking for to somebody who can help them, first of all, organize and, right. and, and somebody who can help them pick the right insurance uh, at the right time? Because there's lots of websites that can go on and search websites and they'll tell you all the things that you need to tell you. But if somebody wanted somebody to help them, and I'm not asking you to pitch yourself, I'm asking sure. you to, to give us some ad advice on finding somebody who can help, what should we be looking for to, to, well, to even start that, those two steps? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and what I would start with is, is really the organization first. You know, having structure and strategy around what you're looking to do is the most important. And anybody could find a financial advisor out there, an insurance person, an investment person to sell them a product. Right. There are plenty, right? What I think you need is more of a, a financial strategist and a financial coach. So there are some uh, products out there. One of them is called uh, eMoney Advisor, which is an aggregation tool that a lot of financial advisors use to organize um, and plan with their clients. We use a proprietary uh, software called the Living Balance Sheet. So if you go to thelivingbalancesheet.com, you could take a look at that. And it organizes, or the advisor you work with should organize your financial world first, come up with strategies second, and then go through steps of, here's why you need this. Like, I mean, if you think about it, I tell my clients all the time, you don't need, nobody needs to buy life insurance, right? Nobody needs to buy disability insurance, right? Nobody needs to buy an umbrella policy, but why would you want it? And you should work with an advisor who shows you, here's your life today. And if one of those things happened, here's what it's going to look like. 
And here's what happens if you protect yourself properly. And here's what life could look like. And what's fascinating to me is in the 15 years I've been working with business owners and clients, this is the first time that I ever have to pay a uh, life insurance death claim because a friend, a colleague, and a client passed away last Sunday. And I know that his family is going to be okay because of the work that we did together. Yeah. And to me, it kind of hit home. I've been implementing strategy, using products to fulfill the strategy for 15 years. This is the first time I actually have to see it come to fruition. Yeah, you see the results of it. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that I did the right thing. Especially for a friend. I can imagine that's hard. Yeah. So, yeah. So you want to find somebody who's, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's hard and fulfilling at the same time that you see, well, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's what I would recommend. I would, I would find somebody who's more of a strategist first and then uses product to implement those strategies. Second. Right. Is, is a financial strategist, because I think when, when we get into this world, there are a lot of people out there who just want to sell you products because that's how they're making money. They get commission mm -hmm. on what they sell. Right. Sure. So is there a way to ensure that we're finding someone who's not incentivized by selling you the next best product, but they're incentivized to actually help you organize and plan and protect? Uh, absolutely. So when we work with clients, we charge a fee for planning. And because, and it's interesting, when I first started out, we didn't do that. We, we worked with clients, we organized their financial world, and we earned our um, bread and butter based upon the uh, commissions and mm -hmm. fees of the different products that got sold. Now, most people, right, they, they do the right thing. Right. right. They pick the right products. They will help you. And over the years, I found that, you know, if we charge a fee for planning, that the client has a few options at the end of the planning process. They could take the plan that they paid for. Right. Just like when I worked with an architect for the first time, you know, I got the plan. You know, I could implement it with anybody I want. Right. Because I paid for the plan. So therefore, they could take the plan and either implement it themselves they could take the plan and implement it with another advisor. But most of the time, the person who creates the plan is then going to use financial products to fulfill the plan. Right. And that's really what you want to look for when you start interviewing uh, financial advisors. Right. Okay. So, so we've, we've got our financial world organized. Uh, we have ourselves protected. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing we should be doing after we have that all figured out and, and, and solidified? The next thing you want to start thinking about is what's your business worth? Hmm. Big and question. It's a question that's on everybody's mind. It's a question that um, people don't get answered for a lot of reasons. They don't get it answered because to do a formal valuation costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of time. And it's a moving target that's going to change over time. And if you have business partners, when you talk about your buy-sell agreement and what happens when one of you wants to leave or you're not here, a business valuation and how you value the company is important. So going back to the 40-year-old um, uh, entrepreneur, what she might want to do is get a um, business valuation that's not as intrusive. And we use a certain software whereby we can easily take three or four years of tax returns financials and produce a significant report that will give you the approximate value of your business uh, for a cost efficient way to do that. It's very similar to um, how people use Zillow when they want to yep. figure out an approximate value of the house. Well, the, we have access the, zest, to the zestimate, they call it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, we have similar software for valuing businesses and businesses within your category. Now, Everybody says their business is special. And what's fascinating is most people think their business is worth more than it actually is because it's their baby. Right, right. They built it from scratch. It's, they put their blood, sweat, and tears in it. But once you know that number, then you could decide if you know, that is the number that's going to fulfill what we call the gap between what you have on your personal balance sheet what you need for cash flow and retirement 
And if that amount of money that comes into your financial world on the transition of your business will provide you that, then that's a good number to know. If it's not, the next step is when do you want to leave your business and how do you grow it to whatever number you need to get from the net transition of your business. So to grow so, it, to, to fill that gap. Exactly. So you're right. Protect the business first and foremost. Find out the value of your business and then decide how you're going to grow it and eventually how you're going to leave your business. You've worked with architects, so you've been through this process with, sure. with architects. What adds value? What, what is the value of an architecture firm based on? Cash flow. So it's, it's how much money is coming through the door and it's how much money is going back out. Absolutely. People buy businesses because of the potential cash flow that it's going to produce for them. So if a business owner has a certain amount of money, they could keep it in the bank and earn nothing. They could put it in a portfolio and it will grow based upon the markets, or they could take that money and invest it in a business with the hope that that's going to produce a greater return than investing anywhere else. And if you think about it, most business owners take all of their financial risk in their business. Right? Their personal right. world is typically conservative, yeah. or we'd want to be more conservative because you need to uh, save a lot of money there. But architects, accountants, lawyers, it's all about cash flow. And if you don't start putting in um, systems, mm -hmm. or if you don't put, start putting in things that are going to add value to that number that somebody's going to want to come in and purchase, then you just you don't have much but the cash flow it's producing. Yeah, and the cash flow can't be determined can't be based on your existence. <laughs> Correct. Right. It can't be. You know, it, it, I'm in the business. I'm doing the work. I'm out there hustling to get the work, and I, it's because my name is out there, and I have all the connections and all the relationships. Mm -hmm. And then I come home and I do all the work, and I produce all the drawings, and then I, you know, do the construction administration and shake the hands of the contractors, and then I retire, and then, you know, all that cash flow I can go out and sell that, right? I can use. I wish. Yeah. Right. And so. I wish. So if if our cash flow is based on that today, let's say. Mm -hmm. Our, our friend here, 40 years old, up in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, did I say Indianapolis? Well, it doesn't matter. We'll have to go back, we'll have to go back and check. <laughs> that may have been the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a, um, you know, that cash flow needs mm -hmm. to come from somewhere other than your existence in the firm. So you said systems. There's that word again. I've been talking about systems for the past seven years that right. it's a top priority for architects to build systems around what they do uh, and try to automate as much as they can or delegate much as much as they can. So there it is again. The reason you're doing that is not only to make your firm more efficient and to earn more money, to make more profit, but now it's part of your exit planning because that's Absolutely. what your firm is based on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine if you created a model, a, um, a room, uh, a sales and marketing model that brought in leads and you created something that was unique. Well, somebody might want to purchase that to be able to help them grow their business. There's a, there's a great book out there called Built to Last. Yep. And what they talk about is how do you take a service business and productize it? You know, creating something that eventually is going to be saleable, as I mentioned before, that is enterprise value. It could be, you know, your unique process in how you, you know, design and create your plans. It could be a system on sales and marketing. You could create something on, you know, how um, you're going to grow your business and the employees. Something beyond just the, 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 the files that you have and the clients that you have. You know, I had the unfortunate experience of working with a um, client's relative who well, my client passed away, did not do any of the proper planning, was so focused on his business, didn't want to hear of it, and he had a medical practice and passed away uh, at an early age. And we thought we were going to be able to sell the files. He had 5,000 clients, patients over, the, over his lifetime. And what we discovered was without a formal handshake introduction, 
from one doctor to another saying, you know, this doctor is going to take over my practice in the next five years, two years, three years, that without that handshake, those 5,000 clients were basically worthless to anybody else. And the equipment was worth a little bit. Yeah. So unless you start building something else of value besides the work that you do, then understand that that's your business model. You do the work, you bring in the work, you do everything. So the strategy should be save as much money as possible in a very tax efficient way, such that the day that you close your door, that you're going to be able to have that cash flow. Right, right. And yeah. so, so the systems add value to your firm. Um, sure. A brand also adds value to your firm, right? If you're a yep. recognized brand in the region for doing additions and alterations, that's something that someone can come and purchase from you and then continue and implement your systems that you've built and now you have something worth selling right now right. you have have that that cash flow is being generated through a process that you've created rather than the work that you do yeah maybe the brand is not your name yeah yeah absolutely you know accountants architects anybody in the service business you know they use their name but once that person is not there yeah you know, I mean, law firms are, are famous for it. They have named partners who don't practice law anymore. In fact, they may not even be here anymore. Their brand, they can't change the name of the firm because they're known in the marketplace as that brand. So you're right. Branding is an issue that, you know, business owners need to think about. And it may not be, you know, the Mike Ringel exit planning company. It may be exit planning for something. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think architects traditionally have always been, you know, Smith and Smith architects. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think in the last 10 years, as architects are becoming more savvy about marketing and branding, that they see the value of coming up with with uh, with uh, brand names that then creates that becomes an asset. And, you know, I'm a judge. Sure. I'm a jury on the uh, the business plan competition for Charette Venture Group every year. Um, and every year, more and more business plans that are coming through the competition are branded with a brand name rather than a, mm -hmm. the, than the architect's name. And, and I would say maybe even this year, they may have all been branded Interesting. as I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that that trend is, is moving in the right direction. All right. So now we've, we've, uh, we've organized, we've protected, we've, uh, determined the worth, the value of our, of our firms. We've made sure that we have some business sure. systems in place. The cash flow is, mm -hmm. is moving along. We're all happy because our firms are, are working <laughs> successfully because now we've built these, we can actually enjoy our firms because now we have these systems. That's a, it's a, a, a side, um, a, uh, another reason for doing it. So, so now that we have this, this, this worth uh, and this value, what do we do right. now? What's the next step? Well, now we really go back to how do you want to leave your business? Right. And there are three ways to leave a business. You could exit by transferring to an insider, and that would be maybe a, a partner, a child, uh, maybe a group of employees. And there's certain strategies to be able to transition the business to an insider that are tax efficient. Uh, if it's not done properly, you could be doubly taxed anywhere I've seen up to 50 to 60 percent on the money. So really need to be careful on how you transfer, transfer the business that way. Uh, you could sell to an outsider, merge a larger firm. Uh, the benefits of that is typically, you know, they've got the cash. They'll give it to you up front. You, know, you may have to sign a consulting agreement for a period of time. But, you know, I, I'm assuming that, you know, most you know, business owners would like to get as much cash up front as possible. Because if you transfer it to an insider, the challenge there is most people don't have the cash flow or the cash to buy the business. So where does it come from? Well, it comes from future cash flow of the business, right. could from a loan from the bank. And if you're the business owner and you've worked 40 years in your business, you want your money. And if you rely on you know, a partner, a child, and if that business goes south for some reason, even though they have a note that they owe you, if there's no cash flow to pay you, then that can be a problem. So you have a lot of risk there. And the third way is you die. 
you work in your business until you can't work anymore, you pass away. And if you're not properly protected there, then, you know, the business has no value, the doors are closed and, you know, your family moves on. So three ways to exit a business, transfer to an insider, transfer to a third party or die with your business. Right. So if and you those, die, if you die with your business or you just close up, you know, your end, end of your career and you, you're yep. tired of it and you just want to be done and you haven't, you know, you haven't sold it to an insider or an outsider and you just cl- close the doors, um, you know, that that you still need to have that strategy in plan. Right. That, Absolutely. That that, that uh, the the you it your personal balance sheet needs to have uh, that transition have has had to have been planned. Mm-hmm. In order to be able to do that, is what I'm trying right. to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So if that is your plan to eventually close the doors, then along the way, strategically taking money from your business balance sheet to your personal balance sheet in a tax efficient way, in a sufficient way, protecting that cash flow is important. This way, when you decide to close the door, that there's enough money on your personal balance sheet to be able to have enough cash flow for the rest of your life. Yeah. What I love most about the idea of, of exit planning, for one, it's the right thing to do for you and your family, but also the probably the freedom and the flexibility that it allows you as a business owner. That as, as your business evolves and as your business grows, you're not so d- dependent on you know doing things one way or another way that you've put in a plan which is the beauty of a business plan but also an exit strategy that as you get older and you're ready to move on or you have this other great opportunity you know we talk about these these side Mm -hmm. hustles and this other great opportunity that i might want to pursue maybe i have this new passion and i would love to just shift all my focus on that well if you've done this planning you have the flexibility to say yeah let's Find somebody to buy this firm. Look at all the value that I've built here. I'm ready to go. And and I, originally I planned to wait till the end, you know, when I'm 60, 70 years old. But now I'm 45 and I have this other great opportunity. But I'm ready. I can I can go and I can sell it to an outsider or or transition it to an insider because I've done the work up front. I think that's a great point. Uh, the term that we like to use is become future ready. Yeah. For those other opportunities that may come along the way, the the possibilities that most of us can't even fathom or see right now, and being in a position to be able to uh, transition your business. When when I do business presentations and workshops and breakouts at different conferences, you know, one of the things we do is I send a um, I send around a blank check, and I ask people to write in the number that they would accept today. If somebody came along and said, I'll give you this amount of money for your business for you to walk away and pursue something else. Now, you know, as well as I do, most entrepreneurs have that entrepreneurial spirit and are going to do something else. We're not going to sit on the beach. We're not going to move to Boca. We're not going to join the tennis club and play tennis all day. And from what I understand, pickleball is the new rage down in that area. (laughs) You know, we're entrepreneurs at heart. The, uh, the analogy I like to use, and, and one of my role models is my uncle, who is a is a good dentist, but a phenomenal entrepreneur. He has a vision. He could see practices that were undervalued. He'd buy them. He'd grow them. He'd exit them multiple times. My entire childhood, I never knew where I was getting my teeth cleaned because I didn't <laughs> know if he sold the practice or not. Well, he's 72. His exit plan was his daughter became a dentist, her husband's a dentist. And when he quote unquote retired, he's now living life on his terms. He still works in the practice a couple days a week, full schedule, not because he has to, because he wants to. He's helping his other daughter open up and grow an audiology practice in Boston because he loves the entrepreneurial spirit. So most entrepreneurs, when we leave our business, we're going to do something entrepreneurial. We're not going to sit on the beach or just play golf and, and do something else. Well, we may do that for a couple of weeks, but you then we're going we back may, to work. <laughs> we may try to buy the course. We may try to figure out what they're doing wrong and try to get more. We're always thinking. I could use and, a two week vacation fully paid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So could I. So, so yeah, so on that note, 
that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else we we've gone, been through organization, we've been through protection, uh, valuing, just putting, getting through the transition strategy and what we're going to do. So we're planning on that transition. Sure. Is there anything else that we need to make sure that we have in this, in this exit plan? Yeah. The only other thing I could think of would be, um, if you have a business partner, mm. I would make sure that you have a, uh, fully executed uh, buy-sell agreement and create the agreement when things are good. And you need to include um, things like what happens when a partner leaves or wants to leave. And we talked about if you get sick, you know, there's disability buyout insurance. If you die, there's life insurance. But what if a partner just wants to retire? How is the partner going to be paid their equity? What's the business worth? What's their portion worth? What if, um, Believe it or not, something happens legally and they lose their license, right? If you and I are partners and we're both architects and you lose your license, well, we're still business partners. Right. If it's not sped out in the agreement. So really being uh, detail-oriented about the buy-sell agreement is important. Um, Things to look at include stay bonuses. So if you're building a larger firm and you uh, you have architects that you want to stay with the business that are crucial to running it when you leave, creating some deferred compensation with golden handcuffs to be able to make sure that upon your exiting that they have to stay, otherwise they would lose a lot of money. But the whole process that we've been talking about today, it's not complicated, it's important, but people don't make it urgent. When I work with with people, it's urgent on my calendar. So... Yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered the basics and really things people need to start thinking about today when they are, are trying to figure out when they're going to leave their business. Yeah, yeah. Another thing to add to your list, people. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you listen to this podcast, and the list gets longer and longer every episode. So, but it's important. These things are important, and this is a super critical one. You know, business planning is important, but exit planning is part of that business plan. It's part of of how you plan the, the, the health and the life of your business. That vision strategy that we talk about, that vision strategy should be part, you know, that exit plan should be part of your vision strategy. What do you want your life to look like when you're done with your architecture firm? Um, super important questions. Michael, this has yeah. been super valuable. Uh, I knew it would be because the expert training session was super valuable. So um, again, you're, you're, I want to go th- through the, the question that I ask everybody before we wrap sure. things up here. Um, what is one thing a small firm architect can do today to build a better, better business for tomorrow? That's a great question. I, I think we, kind of, we covered it in, in, in two parts. Number one is protect, protect, mm-hmm. protect, protect. It's one of the things that are overlooked. It's one of the things that we believe we're all invincible. And if you really want to build a business, um, especially if you're building an enterprise business, you need to protect it. So I, I stand by that first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, his name is Michael Ringel, R-I-N-G-E-L. You can find him at MikeRingel.com. We'll have a link on our show notes. This is episode 314. So entrearchitect.com slash 314. We'll have links to everything that Mike referenced and uh, a link to his website. Uh, Mike, is there any other, what's the best way if somebody's listening and wants to pick your brain some more and get some additional information? Maybe somebody wants to work with you. You're based sure. in New Jersey, right? I'm based in New Jersey, but I work nationally. Okay, great. Uh, using technology, uh, it's able to help entrepreneurs around the country. My email address is M-R-I-N-G-E-L at strategiesforwealth.com. That's F-O-R wealth.com. My number is 917-734-4748. And I'd be more than happy to speak to anybody about you know what their concerns are. Uh, there's no fee to have a consultation and pick my brain and ask some questions. In fact, we have a whole bunch of white papers uh, to send to people. So if somebody sends me an email, or send me a text to that number, be more than happy to send some, uh, some free white papers and some uh, business planning tools, uh, whether or not they choose to engage us or not. Um, it's a pleasure to speak to you on this podcast. I, I love talking to entrepreneurs uh, about what's going on in their business because 
we're, we're alone, we're isolated. Um, I love what you've done as far as building your business and helping business owners realize that, you know, the best way to learn is from other entrepreneurs who are further along the, the curve than they are. So, you know, thank you for inviting me and I look forward to continuing our work together. You're welcome, Michael. I appreciate you for being so open and sharing your knowledge, not only here on the podcast, but in, in the membership uh, and, and you're a very generous person and we've had conversations offline and I appreciate you for all you do. So thank you for that and for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 314 and this is an important episode. This is one of those episodes that you might want to come back to over and over again and, and remember what Mike has said and sort of go through the process. This is entrearchitect.com slash episode 314. All the show notes will be at that link. And that's the link to share with a friend. This is an important one. Send this one to a friend right now and say, hey, you need to start planning for your future. entrearchitect.com slash episode 314. Hey, and before we head out, I have some important news to talk about. I wanted to let you know that enrollment for uh, Entree Architect P2P Profit Workshop. Our new profit workshop is scheduled to start on Tuesday, March 24th, and enrollment will close on Friday, March 20th. It's my third year teaming up with my friend Steve L. Wintner, AIA Emeritus, to present our intensive multi-week financial management training program for small firm architects. The financial management system that we teach at the workshop is the same system published in the AIA Architects Handbook for Professional Practice. And it's the same system that Steve published in his book, Financial Management for Design Professionals, that he co-authored. So it's the system for architects. If you don't earn 20% profit every year as a small firm architect consistently, year after year, then you need a better plan. And we'll show you how to build that powerful profit plan for your small firm, and you'll finally take control of your firm's finances at the Entree Architect P2P Profit Workshop. Learn more today at entrearchitect.com slash profit workshop. Go there and just check it out. See what it's all about. entrearchitect.com slash profit workshop. I want you to take control of your finances so you can build a better business and you'll be a better architect. entrearchitect.com slash profit workshop. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? 
Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.